Well, good morning. So my name is Father Ken Geraci of the Fathers of Mercy. It's good to be with you. I, I want to thank Father so much for having me. He's been coaching me since my miserable homily last night. Bring me out of my shell. Maybe speak a little louder. With maybe throw in a little humor here and there. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do you proud, Father. You know, I am. Uh, it is a gift to be here because I've heard great things of this parish. You know, I don't know how many of our priests have come here, but everyone says it's, it's a great experience. They always look forward to coming. This is the only parish that the Fathers of Mercy do two missions a year at. In reality, a lot of the parish missions we do haven't had a parish mission in many, many years. Or they might do one every three or four years, or one every five years. This parish is so gifted and so blessed, not only to have a pastor who recognizes the opportunity, but to have people who request it. And according to Father, the request has gone to demanding. He fears for his life if there's not an Advent mission. So. So, I mean, and this is a huge testament. This is no small thing. And, and I, so I'm excited to see what God does. When people are hungry for God, God responds. Because who's more willing, God or us? And so when God sees the openness of our hearts, he rushes towards us like the father and the prodigal son. And so this is the beautiful gift we have before us. You know, I don't have to describe what a parish mission is to you because you know what they are. You know it's a time of renewal, a time for conversion, a time for healing, a time for learning, a time for invitation, not only for yourselves, but for those outside of the faith, those who might not practice the Catholic faith that have abandoned it for something else, or maybe are non-Catholic friends and family members to invite them to come. You know, a parish mission is not just for those who have uh, excelled in their faith. This is kind of a misconception that you really have to be uh, on fire with your faith. You have to know a lot about your faith uh, to come to a parish mission. A parish mission is for everyone. See, at every parish mission, there are gifts that God wants to give. God wants to give every individual a gift. He wants to give every family present a gift. He wants to give this parish community as a whole new gifts. And so it doesn't matter where you are in your faith life. You know, what if your faith life is the best it's ever been? You know, God can do more. You know, I, had a, I was doing a marriage uh, weekend, and I had a husband and wife come to me, and they said, you know, Father, our, our marriage is the best it's ever been. We really don't need your weekend, huh? And I said, give it a couple of weeks, you know. Because God can do anything. If your faith life is the best it's ever been, he can lift you even higher. If your faith life is the worst it's ever been, well, thanks be to God I'm here, huh? See, this is for everyone. It, regardless of where you are in your faith, God will take you and lead you to a new place. Whenever I come to a new parish, I like to welcome the four groups of people that come to church on Sunday. Now, you're not going to find this in the catechism. This is my unofficial list, but I wouldn't be surprised if the church adopts it. It's so brilliant. Um, <laughs> The first group of people that come to church on Sunday, these are the people who love our faith. Absolutely on fire with the love of God. They love Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. They spend time with him. They say their prayers every single day without fail. They have a regular time for confession. That they keep God as number one throughout their day, throughout their week, throughout their month without fail. It's not easy. But God is always that number one priority. And they live it and they do it well. They're a great example to all of us. That's the first group. The second group. The second group are those of us who want to be in that first group, huh? 
I include myself in this second group because there are times that life gets so busy that the things of this world encroach upon the spiritual life. You know, you might have a family or children or activities or a career, and these things encroach upon your spiritual life. You know, Father and I have at some point in our priesthood have encountered this experience where we find ourselves doing so much for God, we forget to spend time with God. We forget to live our prayers from our very hearts. We say our prayers, we say the words of our prayers, but sometimes they're just the words we're saying. Now again, that's a whole lot better than nothing, right? You know, it's, but again, it has to be movement from the heart, and that's the desire. You know, so we do these things from love. Some of you may have children or family members, and God might fall to second or third place, God forbid, even lower on your list. And you got to make that constant reminder to keep God in center of your life. I had a good friend of mine, Kristen, come up to me one day after Mass. And uh, Kristen is a really faithful Catholic. And she said, uh, Father, can I have next week off? She wanted to skip church. And I, I'm like, what is, child of Jesus? No. You know, and, and I said, what is, what's going on? And she said, Father, for the last few weeks, several weeks, I haven't been able to participate in Mass. I can't hear your homily, I can't sing, I can't pray, because I have three little ones. Two of them are squirming and squawking. Isaiah did the backflip off the pew today. I don't know if you saw that or not, right? Now, right now, every mother in this room knows what I'm talking about, right? Every father does too, huh? Stop. Don't make me count to three. And we talked about this. And we recognize that Kristen, much like the widow who came forward and put her few pennies in the collection box... What did our Lord say about that widow? He said, she gave the most. And because she gave the most, she will receive the most. So my friend Kristen, who had to sacrifice so much and work so hard to bring her family to church out of love, out of love for God, she brings her family to church every Sunday. And it's a challenge and it's hard, but it won't always be that way. She may not participate or hear the most out of Mass, but she will get the most graces out of Mass. So for those of us who struggle to live our faith and you have to work at it, don't give up. Thanks be to God. Keep leading into the cross and working at it. Remember, the soldier that lays down does not win the war. And so we fight to live our faith well. That's the second group. The third group, this group I lovingly refer to as fire insurance Catholics. Those who know if they do not come to church, they will go to hell. So they come to church so they do not go to hell. Now, normally this is your Christmas and Easter crowd, so they're not here today. <laughs> so we need to invite them because we've got an update to that memo. There was a typo there, and like some, so we need to straighten that out, right? And so, again, if you're in this third group where you're only doing things out of mere obligation, you're doing things because you have to or you're, you're being told to, this is a horrible place to be. Come speak to me. Come speak to Father. Come speak to some of these faithful people here in this community. And let us help you know your faith and help you move from where you are to a new place of love, to that experience animating love of God. That's the third group. The fourth group. The fourth group is my favorite group because I was part of this group for the vast majority of my life. It's the closest to my heart. This fourth group I lovingly refer to as the hostages, right? Any of you who are forced to be here against your will, right? So it's a 10 o'clock mass, so that meant some of you were meant to come to 8 o'clock, but the kids didn't get out of bed, so now you had to come to 10 o'clock, right? 
At one parish I was at, we had two boys start chuckling. They're like, <laughs> and the mom swung and hit them both. She got one with the elbow, the other with the forehand. It was beautiful technique. <clears throat> the question I want to ask, how do you go from being a hostage? <clears throat> how do you go from church and CCD being the very first worst part of your week? that this is nothing, this meant nothing to me. How does this go from being the absolute worst and nothing part of my week to now being the absolute highlight and greatest part of my day? How does that happen? The answer is simple. One single encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. One single encounter with our Lord is enough to change a man so much that he is willing to do the craziest things. So. This is what we offer this week in this parish mission, is that single encounter with Jesus to take you from where you are in your faith life to somewhere new. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. This is a family-friendly event, and God will touch each of you in his own way. And so this is the encounter we, I offer you. You know, I grew up in a nominal Catholic family where we went to church every Sunday. My family went through the motions of faith. We looked good. We stayed after church for coffee and donuts. And, and we looked apart, but we never lived it. My family never prayed together. And you know that old adage, the family that prays together stays together? Well, to no surprise, my family not praying together, we didn't stay together. My senior year of high school, my parents divorced. And I'm very scientific in my thinking. I'm a very logical thinker, very interested in the sciences, astrophysics, dark matter, stuff like that. And I began to doubt God's very existence. My parents separating, I played mom against dad, and quit going to church. Lost my faith completely and doubted God's very existence. In my family, being successful in the world was, was what was important. So, and we measured that by the number of zeros at the end of your paycheck. So I went off to college to get a business degree so I could be successful in business. And began to work in college, and I was recruited out of school my senior year, the beginning of my senior year, to go to work for a computer company. And back in 1998, we were working on these little devices. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're called MP3 players. Has anyone ever seen those? So we were working on that technology, that and eBooks. <clears throat> Our big claim to fame is that we had the very first working prototype of what is today the iTunes store. And so we were working on that technology. Sometime in that process, my boss approached me and invited me to join him in an internet startup company. He had an idea, and he thought we could make a lot of money doing it and uh, change the world in the same, uh, same stroke. And so we began working on that company. We worked for nights and weekends, plus our regular job. And after about 18 to 24 months of working on that startup company, a venture capital firm gave us $4.5 million to start our company. And we were doing amazingly well. I was making more money one year out of college than my dad was making after 30 years of his professional career. And he was so proud of me. My dad, if, if my dad could corner you for 30 seconds, he would tell you how great his kids were and how successful they were. And you know what? I believe that. I believe that I really arrived. I was doing great things in this world. But then my boss came up to me one day. And he said, Ken, he said, you know, we've been working together for a while. And he goes, your work, I don't have any problems with it. He goes, but I do have a personal problem with you. He goes, you know, I've heard you tell people that you're Christian. I've even heard you tell people that you're Catholic. But... You don't pray, you don't go to church, and you know what, some of the stories you tell, man to man, frankly, they're embarrassing. So which is it? Are you a Christian or are you not? 
because I don't see any evidence here of it. How do you reconcile your Saturday night and your Sunday morning? You know, that's a real friend right there, isn't it? A friend who is willing to challenge you to be more. And that's the challenge I'd like to offer each of us today. How do we reconcile our faith? How do we reconcile our faith in our life? You know, when Mike asked me that question, you know, I said, you know, I, I don't honestly, I don't think about it. I've never thought about that question, you know, but thank you for ruining it for me. I appreciate that, right? And so let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do you know what it means to be Catholic? Can you articulate that? Can you share that with the world? Because our faith is to be thus said, shared with the world, not just kept for ourselves, but shared with our family and our friends. And it doesn't matter how old or young you are, you can be that voice for God. And so this is the journey I want to take us on this week, the journey of our faith, what it means to be Catholic and how to know our faith. Mike not only challenged me to be a man and challenged me to be a better Christian, but he invited me to come to church with he and his family. And I saw something incredible. I saw a man at prayer. I never, I never had that example in my life before. And, and not only did I see a man at prayer, I saw a very normal family. They fought like cats and dogs. I mean, it was all the time, in and out. The difference was, where they would normally fight and there would be darkness and despair, there was light and hope. And that stood out to me very clearly. And I began to go back to the Catholic Church with Mike and his family. Other friends would invite me to go to their churches, so I would go to the Baptist Church, the Church of Christ, the churches I refer to as Six Flags Over Jesus, you know what I'm talking about, the theme park churches. And so I began to go all of these different churches, and I began to see so many different um, living out of the Christian faith. I saw one church over here that was the Church of Fun. You had the rock concert up front and the really got good preacher, and he gave this great message, and I walked out really energized. And then I'd come to this church over here, and the presence and the sense of God was tangible. There was a sacredness. There was a, there was a practice to it that, that was so tangible and so beautiful. And I began to ask that question, which is true? I mean, what is the right church? And so when I would ask my Protestant friends, they would say, Ken, listen, we Protestants, all of us different denominations, we disagree on small things. But here's what you can be certain of. Those Catholics over there, they're completely wrong. Huh? Well, you can see where the answer lines up, huh? See, this is the journey I want to take you on this week. I don't want to take you on the journey of my story, but rather I want to take you on the journey of the story of the church. I want to talk us through what did Jesus Christ do? That's going to be our conference tonight from 7 till 8 o'clock. What did Jesus do? Did Jesus establish a church with structure, with hierarchy, with liturgy? Or did he simply write a Bible, drop it from the sky, and say, good luck, read it, there'll be a book exam at the end of your life, huh? What did Jesus do? And so we're going to enter into that journey to understand this. Now, as I told you earlier, I'm a very logical, reasonable thinking guy, scientific thinker. There's never going to be one night during this mission that I'm going to say to you, you need to believe this, you need to do it, because I said so, because Jesus said so, because the church said so, and if you have a question, you need to sit down and be quiet. That will never come from my mouth. If you have questions, let us know. Everything I'm going to present to us tonight and tomorrow and the next couple nights, I'm going to give the reasons for faith, how we can know from not only faith but reason exercising our minds, showing not only from the sciences in certain regards, from 
history from the beginning of time to what God has done today, how all of this culminates together, and what we do as Catholics is exactly what God has given us to practice and to do. I'm going to show us how we can use our full minds to have fuller hearts. We're going to open that doors for that experience with Christ in a new way. That's tonight. What did Jesus do, church or spirituality? Tomorrow night, we're going to talk about why do we do that as Catholics? Why do we recognize Jesus' presence in the Eucharist? Devotions, prayer to the saints, prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, Protestants will sometimes say we worship Mary. That's nonsense. We're going to cover that. Why do you go to confession to a priest, huh? You know, the Eucharist, this is either God. This is either God made present here in the hands of the priests on our altar, in our tabernacle, or he's not. The Catholic Church does not, is very specific in her language, claiming that Jesus Christ's presence is the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Not a symbol, but is. And this is God, or he's not. This is God, or we're completely wrong. This is either God, or every Sunday we kneel and commit the sin of idolatry, which in the Old Testament is punishable by death. This is either God, or I am a celibate man wearing a dress with lace. <laughs> All right, I am from Texas. My man card would be revoked immediately, never to be returned. I want to show us not only from faith, but reason as well. And not only to show you, to explain it to you, I want you to experience him. This is God, and he wants a personal relationship with you. Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? What better way than in Holy Communion to be able to touch him, to receive him, to hold him in your heart? That's the Eucharist. We're going to talk about that in detail tomorrow night. We're going to talk about Mary. We're going to talk about why do you go to confession to a priest? One of the best parts of coming to a parish mission is that you get to go to confession to a guy like me. The best part of going to confession to me is you will never see me again. Maybe it's been a while since your last confession. 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You know, when someone who's been gone for a long time comes back, we don't say, where have you been? We say, welcome home. Welcome home. Greatest day. You have made the angels in heaven rejoice. Thanks be to God. Maybe there's a sin that you've never confessed. Maybe there's something that you're ashamed of or embarrassed of that you've never confessed. Come behind the stream. Make a good confession. Come see Father Pushover. Father Easygoing, huh? Make a good confession. Why do we go to confession to a priest? You know, we're going to have confessions from 6 till 7, conference from 7 till 8, and then again confessions after the mission until the last person goes. Why do we go to confession to the priest? The answer to that is so simple. We'll come tomorrow night and I'll tell you. Tuesday, we will talk about Jesus the Divine Mercy. This year is the year of mercy, all right? Pope Francis has declared this extraordinary jubilee year of mercy for one reason, the world needs it. There are situations in our world that no political solution will solve, no amount of money will solve. It's only God's mercy that will solve it. Maybe you have a situation in your life like that. Maybe you're feeling your marriage is struggling and it needs God's mercy. Maybe it's not yours, but a family member or a friend's. 
Maybe there's a, someone else in your life, or maybe you just might happen to live in a country that is going into total chaos, huh? I want to give us Tuesday evening very practical, tangible ways to enter in before the throne of God and to draw down God's mercy in the most real and powerful way so that you can not only protect yourself and your family, but affect changes in the lives of those around you to lead many people to experience the mercy of God so that we might all be together in heaven one day. That will be Tuesday evening. I'm going to give you very practical ways to pray and to fight this war. Wednesday evening, we're going to change gears a little bit. Wednesday, we're going to talk about the two obstacles to healing. But not only are we going to talk about healing, we're going to actually offer a Eucharistic healing service. You know, one of the greatest things that created conversions in the New Testament was the miracles that God created, that God caused. You know, imagine you hanging out with your friend who hasn't walked since, you know, 10, 20 years ago, and Jesus walks by, touches him, and he hops up. Right? That's going to that's gonna change something, right? And so we're going to give that opportunity not only to hear about healing, but to experience the merciful healing of God. This is going to be a very dignified, beautiful healing service where I'm going to give you the encounter to experience Jesus Christ. I will dress in the cope and humeral veil, holding our Lord and allowing you to come forward and touch the hem of the garment the same way that woman did in the, in the New Testament where she was healed. So that's going to be Wednesday evening. It will be a later evening, so uh, just keep that in your mind. We'll be here for more, more than an hour that evening. Thursday evening. Thursday evening is the most important night of the mission. This night is entitled, How to Pray the Mass. You know, the Mass is the highest form of prayer. It gives us the source and summit of our faith, and because it is so high and lofty, there are multiple dimensions to the Mass, and it's not exactly intuitive. Whenever I work with young people, I will ask them, you know, when you come to Mass, do you ever get distracted during Mass? And they say, oh yeah, Father, we get distracted all the time. You know, then I ask, I'll, I'll sometimes, you know, once I build up a little trust and get a laugh, and I'm like, uh, do you ever get bored during Mass? And I got one girl who did this number. She was like, she was an altar server. She said, Father, it's, it's terrible. She, she, I fell asleep one time during Mass. And then I asked her, has anyone ever taught you how to pray the Mass? Has anyone ever taught you about how time and eternity come together? Heaven and earth embrace how there are angelic processions and the saints are with us. And her eyes got really, really big. It's not uncommon for someone to tell me after one of these teachings that Mass will never, ever be the same for them. Not only do I want to open up the mystical dimension of the Mass, I want to give you practical tangible things that you can do throughout the different segments of the Mass so that if you do get distracted, you can come right back to it and how you can enter into it and leave full. And Mass is never something dull or disinteresting, but rather moving towards that greatest part of your week. And so these are the things that I have prepared. These are the gifts I want to give you, right? But what did I say in the beginning of this? I said that God has something in store for you, for your family, and for this community as a whole. The question is, are you ready and are you willing to receive it? <clears throat> are you able and willing to set aside five nights of your week to give to God for this mission? <clears throat> I know I'm asking a lot, but the question is, will God be outdone in generosity? If you make the sacrifice of these five nights, how much more will God give? 
You know, some of you are thinking, Father, I already have some commitments this week. You know what? I appreciate that. I respect that. But what I'm going to ask you to do is cancel those commitments. Which is more important, God or these other things? You know, I had a father come up to me one mission, and he said, Father, I I can't come to the mission with my family on Tuesday because my boy, he's got football practice. And if he doesn't go to football practice on Tuesday, then he can't play in his game on Saturday. And I said the unthinkable. I said, I know, I understand, perfectly understand. I get it. That's okay. Um, He can miss his game on Saturday. Which is more important, God or football? God or ball? If you make that sacrifice, what does that teach your children? What seeds will that plant? It's going to tell them that God is the most important part of our week, and yes, he's worth making sacrifices for. Listen, some of you have commitments that you simply cannot cancel. Listen, I know that. And more importantly, God knows that, right? The good news is that God knew your schedule before I got here, right? This is not between you and I. This is not between you and Father. But rather, this is between you and Almighty God. And so maybe you can only come three nights of the week. Well, then come those three nights. Maybe you can only come two nights. Well, then come those two nights. You know, remember those laborers in the vineyard? They showed up in the last hour of work, and how much pay did they receive? The full day's wage, huh? If you can only come two nights, and come those two nights, and God will not be outdone in generosity. I know we're asking a lot, but God always offers and fulfills and is faithful to his promises. My brothers and sisters, Ask our God today when you receive him in Holy Communion, Lord, what do you have in store for me, for my family, for this community? Lord, what gifts do you want to pour out? I can almost assure you he will say, come and see.